Welcome to the 210th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. As this podcast is being recorded during the spring of 2018, American farming is in the midst of a years-long economic crisis. As a result of numerous factors, including market control by a handful of corporations and overproduction brought about by, among other things, government policy, prices paid to farmers for crop and livestock products have been sent into a nosedive. Even farmers who are producing products that receive premium prices, such as organic dairy producers, are hurting these days. In Wisconsin, 500 dairy farms went out of business in 2017 alone. As bankruptcies rise and the threat of wide-scale foreclosures increases, calls are flooding into farm crisis lines. Some farmers are finding the stress too much to bear. Much has been made of how the farm suicide rate jumped during the agricultural financial crisis of the 1980s. In fact, the latest figures from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention show that the suicide rate for male U.S. farmers is 50% higher than it was during the 1980s. With that in mind, the Land Stewardship Project recently organized a meeting for farmers seeking help dealing with financial stress. During the meeting, a panel of experts spoke on what resources are available for handling economic problems and initial steps that can be taken for managing situations that are often extremely difficult and at times overwhelming. This podcast features excerpts from that panel discussion. The first speaker was Jack Lavalla, who works with the Farm Business Management Program at Riverland Community College. The Farm Business Management Program is a statewide initiative that works with farm families to help them meet their business and personal goals by developing good farm records and making sound business decisions. The program publishes an annual report that provides a financial summary of over 2,000 Minnesota farmers. Lavala talked about how a good financial record-keeping system can play a key role in managing risk on a farm. You know, the key thing for what we do is to help the farm families develop a good system of record-keeping because that's that's really important. You know, if you have good records, of course, you can, you can rely on those to give you a lot of the information that you need. And most of the farms I work with now are on a computerized record system. Uh, the majority of the farms I work with are on what's called PCMARS, uh, which is a program that was developed in, in Iowa uh, by farmers, actually. It's a pretty usable, user-friendly program. Uh, however, some of my farms use QuickBooks or uh, Quicken. Um, I do have a couple of farmers that still use the you know, Minnesota Farm Account Book. They write everything in there. But for the most part, if you have a good set of records that I can input into my analysis program, it's going to give us information that's usable for you. Uh, along with that, goals. I work with my farm families on an annual basis, not just you know one time, okay, this is what your goals are, because those goals are evolving too, and uh, they're changing depending on what's going on in your life, what's going on in the life of your family, or what's going on in the economy. Um, so we look at those goals on a regular basis too. As you might imagine, cash flow planning is very important. The enterprise analysis is a key part of what we do. Uh, so you understand what your cost of production is for 2017, what it actually costs you to make 100 pounds of milk or to produce a bushel of corn. But right now, they're more concerned about how do we get through 2018 when we don't have much working capital on the balance sheet, if any, or it's negative. And how do we make the cash flow work? So we spend a lot of time working on those cash flow projections and trying to 
see what can what can happen. So I do spend a lot of time on that. Also, risk management. That's a huge part of what we do. And of course, some sometimes there's better opportunities than others for risk management when it comes to commodity marketing. But there are always tools there that are available. Whether it's something as basic as crop insurance, uh, the, especially the revenue crop insurance, or if it's um, you know looking at milk. You know, whether it's the margin protection program and some of the things that, that farms have available to them now through, through government programs or forward contracting, um, using puts and calls as insurance. You know, so all of those tools we have to navigate through with farms to see what fits best for them. And not there isn't one size fits all. Some farmers don't have an option to, to store a lot of their grain because they don't have the bins and that to do that. So they might look at delivering it and buying a call as opposed to trying to pay someone in town to store it. And so, I mean, it really depends on the situation. Then, you know, of course, there's the different enterprises. Around here, we have a lot of uh, livestock as well as crops. So a lot of, I'm, I'm kind of eclectic. I, I work with all kinds of farms, dairy farms, beef farms, some purely crop farms, a combination. Um, and I work with conventional farms and a number of organic farms. The bottom line is that it's good uh, because I get to see a lot of the different things. The other thing, you know, it comes down to like with the uh, records, um, having, doing financial statements on a regular basis, helping farmers with their tax management planning, um, also transition plans. Um, and so that's, a, I think, an important thing to keep in mind too, transitioning or thinking about what are the options for your farm business going forward. And everybody has to answer those things, you know, on an individual basis. There's just a lot of good resources. And we have to remember, we're all in this together. We won't necessarily have all the answers, but as long as we're trying to do the best we can for the families we work with, we try to stay positive and work together. Next, Tim Gossman of Merchants Bank in St. Charles, Minnesota, talked about the importance of developing a long-term relationship with one's lender. Gossman, who got started in banking during the 1980s farm crisis, also had good advice about not allowing the expectations of past generations drive today's financial decisions. So again, I, I did get started in lending right at the time that the farm crisis was um, had, had started, and it was uh, a, a difficult situation and, and I, I, I do compare it a little bit to what's what's happening right now but I think there are more options for farmers than there were back then we had uh, you know astronomical interest rates uh, we had limited opportunities for off-farm employment and what was really devastating for farmers is that the price of land really plummeted and there was it just gave farmers very few options whereas today people are making can make decisions um, and preserve some of their equity and, and, and make things work for them. Jack talked a little bit about uh, his organization, how he can help out, and we're going to hear that uh, from here. Everybody pretty much knows how what, what a bank does and what we can what we can do, and said, you know, I don't have a lot to tell you about that, other than the, the banks cannot survive without uh, their customers and their farm customers. So even though they may have uh, goals of, of profitability, they need to see farmers succeed as well, um, and that, that's part and parcel, especially, uh, you know, small community banks. And I think one thing that uh, I would encourage people is to, as much as you can, develop a long-term relationship with your lender. It helps to know your operation and helps uh, them to uh, have that, 
not get involved or not get so tied up in their day-to-day -day activities that they don't occasionally step back. I think that's where some of these other folks can, can help out to give that different perspective. You've got always things to do, and again, you've got more options than, than you realize. You know, I look at a farmer's financial statement, and they will have a million dollars worth of assets on that, on that statement, or of equity, I should say, and, and yet they feel like they're cash poor and they don't have any options. Even, even to look at options that may not be consistent with what you want to do right now, I think you want to step back and, and know what you have and think about why you're doing what you're doing. And you have to primarily farm for whatever you're doing, for your loved ones, for your family. You're not doing it for generations past. You don't have to live up to those expectations. You don't have to live up to your neighbor's expectations. You need to do what you need to do that makes it right for you. And I think when you look at it that way, it opens up opens up more options than if you than, than trying to be that self-limiting. Southeastern Minnesota farmer Connie Dykes gave a presentation on the Farm Advocates Program. This initiative provides one-on-one -on -one assistance for Minnesota farmers who face a crisis caused by either a natural disaster or financial problems. Farm advocates like Connie are located throughout the state and have proven to be invaluable resources for farmers over the years. I've been with the Advocate Program since the 80s, since it pretty much started. I feel it's the same as it was then. We're still having problems. <laughs> Not enough income and too much expense, and that's a lot of what farmers are facing right now. And if a farmer gets a mediation notice, uh, I know they send these out and they send our advocate brochure. They've tried to work with a bank that works with farm business management, but things just are going south for them. So I really would recommend that they would call one of us advocates because we can work through the whole mediation process with them. It's a pretty scary thing when you get this notice served on you by the sheriff or registered letter and say, okay, now you're going to mediation and when you get done with that, if it doesn't work, you're going into foreclosure. But that's why we're here to help the people as they're going through this process. Lots of times when the first meeting of the mediation starts, everybody's on edge and everybody's, oh, what, it's all over, we're done. But I was in a mediation yesterday and, and it's evolving and we're, we're getting things done. Farmer is getting things done. He's got a financial analyst, which is in the back of the room, Jim has provided program and then we try to find farm business management people if you know if Jim's not available and a lot of them already are working like they said with farm business management and they kind of know their numbers but sometimes it just comes to a standstill and that's one of the things we can work through people with and we can work with a banker we're not you know we kind of keep them going too <laughs> we have ideas and we Lots of times it just gets to be a point that they can't talk anymore. There's one there's one case I'm on right now, and that's where it is. It, I mean, we're, we're working together to try to come to a solution. It always helps to have someone else in the room, someone, you know, keep, the, keep things flowing. We work with the, the Center for Financial Management. I work with them at the state level. They made the FinPAC. If I have a question that I think needs to be asked, Sometimes the banks run their own programs. They run the FinPAC themselves. When this comes up and the farmer doesn't
I kind of help him go through his financials, and so he understands that some people do not understand all the nuts and bolts of the FinPAC program. You know, it is it's a difficult program if you don't understand what's happening. So that's another thing we do. We, if farm business management gets together with them and does their numbers, and then I like to look them over and work with them, with the, with the farm business management people. And sometimes we have questions that come up with uh, not just the bank. We have FSA. If they get letters from them and they try to get loans, we try to work through that with them, go meet the loan officers. And another thing, uh, sometimes I, you get turned down by FSA. And I always encourage people, you always, when it's FSA guaranteed, not guaranteed, that's pretty much handled by the banks. They handle the guarantee part. But when it's a direct loan, if you get turned down and you have this 20 days to answer, you make sure you get you do the 20 days. Get the answer in there. Some people just let it go. But I've worked with FSA and worked with farmers, and we've won. We've appealed, and we've won two or three appeals. And this, you know, then things kind of can go smoothly after that. And if I have a question, a legal question, lots of times I refer to flag before we get, you know, attorneys are expensive. So if we have something that we think we can just enlighten the farmer a little bit with, they've come to our conferences and they've taught the farm advocates to document, document, document. <laughs> Anytime you do anything with any lending office or FSA or anyone, make sure that you document what has happened. If you present papers, make sure you got them numbered, that they received them. And that's something that really is, is something people think, well, I just took this in and I handed it in, and I always tell them, no, that's fine. Get it in there in time. Get your answers in time. But make sure it's stamped and dated because sometimes you might have to appeal to Washington. It, it might go down the line, and then you've documented what's happened. I guess I just another thing that is, is uh, we can do all the financial analysis in the whole world, but we need a price out here in agriculture. This is a main, main problem. It goes back to Main Street, goes back to the banks. If, if, it, if you're not making a profit, how can the bank keep continuing with you? And that this is what we need to get to Washington. We need a profit. <laughs> we need a profit. There's all different sizes I work with. I work with people that are contract feeding hogs. I work with people that want to start a new business. Uh, I had one call the other day. She wants to start raising chick pasture feeding chickens, and she wants to, her husband wants to start a winery. Those are some of the things that I go to the ag department. I go, you know, we just do a lot of different things. It isn't just one size fits all. We try to organic. We try to work with them. I mean, there's everybody, like you said, has different ideas on how they want to farm. If anybody needs to talk, that's another thing. A lot of times I get farmers to just call up and they can talk on the phone anonymously. They don't have to see you face to face and, and they can feel better after they discuss things a little bit and have a perspective, okay, maybe I should do this or maybe I should do that. But I do want to promote the mediation program. If someone gets a mediation notice, definitely file it because it, they, it is successful in many cases. You know, they all think, oh, no, I can't do that. Somebody's going to know what I'm doing, but pretty much small town business, they know what's going on anyway. We've come through a long, hard winter, and we've got to grasp what we've got. The birds are singing, and the flowers are starting.
starting to grow. And we, there is another day tomorrow, so we all have to keep striving ahead and working together. Farmers Legal Action Group, also known as FLAG, is a key resource for farmers who need guidance on the legal ramifications of problems they are grappling with. FLAG's Stephen Carpenter talked about when it's the right time to contact a group like his and provided a key piece of advice about how to react when bad financial news arrives in your mailbox. We've sort of made two or three main things in Minnesota. One is that if you call us, we can give you sort of brief legal advice. We're probably not going to be your main lawyer, um, but we can help you with a particular problem that you may have or a question that you may have. And the sort of typical kinds of questions we get is the seed dealer wants to uh, file a lawsuit against us for some for this or that. Um, we're getting threatening letters. Should they have filed a mediation notice? And we can. That's exactly the kind of question that we can answer. Um, if it's a more complicated legal question, we might will try to refer you to another lawyer. If that's what makes sense, we'll try to hook you up with a farm advocate if you haven't already done that. So we're a little bit of a sort of backup. Now, again, we wouldn't be your prime lawyer, but we can help answer questions. You know, you guys are farmers. The questions are weird and varied and everything from fence law to who knows what else. And we'll try to give you a basic answer if you call us. The second thing we do is write a lot of materials um, that sort of help farmers understand their own rights. And back in 1995, I wrote a farmer's guide to uh, Minnesota lending law. And it was sort of this beastly long book about basically all the bad things that can happen. Uh, repossession, foreclosure, judgments, mediations, leases being canceled. And it was basically, uh, from a farmer's point of view, how all this stuff really works. And so we did a version of that in the 90s. Uh, there was an updated version in 2002 or 2003. And we're about to wrap up a brand new version. And so the idea with these books, and it will be free and online, is there are a lot of, there's a lot of information there. Hopefully it's written in a way that's accessible to a lot of farmers or your farm advocates. But let's just face reality. Things are not going to go great for everybody. And when problems arise, one of the most important things is for you to be able to understand your own rights. And that's what these books that we write are really all about. So with that, I have four quick thoughts from a sort of a lawyer's point of view about what we're going through right now. One is about the sort of issues that come with credit scarcity. I mean, I'm hearing that people are still having problems lining up loans or they're, I mean, it's just, it's a, there's a credit problem out there. It's not like it was in 1984, we'll all agree, I guess, but, but it's an issue. And the one thing that I, from a lawyer's point of view, that I wanted to say is this. You need to make the sort of decisions which are right for your operation when you get loans and you do what you do with your loans. Here's one thing that I often hear later, which is a problem, and that is that people sign loan papers that offer more collateral than they understood they were offering at the time. I don't have any opinion about how much collateral you should offer for any given loan. That's up to you. My point is, you need to understand what collateral you are offering for this particular loan. And you need to know that other lenders pay attention to how, whether somebody else is first in line on, on land or other property. So I, I just want to say I'm completely neutral about whether you should do 
understand exactly what you're offering as collateral for every loan that you ever sign. A second thing that, uh, and again, we're about to talk about the hard stuff. Uh, when things go wrong, you must, and your friends and neighbors must, open the mail, look at what's being sent to you, and deal with it. There is no legal problem, repossession, delinquency, default, any of this stuff. No problem will get better if you ignore it. None. Ever, ever, ever get better if you ignore it. They only get worse. If you are beginning to get in trouble or somebody that you know is beginning to get in trouble, you have rights. I mean, you may be behind the eight ball. You may be, your operation may be in real trouble. You still have rights. People cannot run roughshod over you um, at their own will. And so if you go to the farm advocates, if you get a lawyer, if you call flag, we can help you understand your rights. Now, I'm not saying that things will never go bad for farms. They do go bad. But many times, people let rights they have escape them because they don't use them. And one of the easiest ways to lose your rights is to ignore bad news. So when you get these certified letters, when you get things in the mail, open it up, pay attention to it, and it's easy for me to say, hard to do. You've got to face it. You have to face it right now, or it will only get worse. The last thing I'll say is, I don't, I'm not really hearing about this in Minnesota right now, but I'm hearing about it nationally. And that is what I would just is generally call scammers and con artists. You know, going back from the 80s until the present, one of the things that happens is that when farmers get in trouble, there is some shyster out there with some unbelievably great deal, whether it's, you know, above market price for cattle or a loan with almost no interest. You just got to pay $3,000 up front or, I mean, lots of different things which just sound too good to be true. And to use the old, old phrase, you know, if they sound too good to be true, they often are too good to be true. And when people get in trouble and they get desperate, they're vulnerable to this stuff. If you're a farm lawyer, you see some of the nasty things that people do to one another in this country. And at the top of that list are these scammers and con artists. You know, it's a good thing I'm not in a jury for anybody that gets caught doing it. Um, but what I want you to do is be really careful. Check stuff out if it seems like somebody's got a great idea. And there are weird things out there. Oh, I mean, but like if somebody comes up to you and says, oh, worms are the answer. Grow worms, you know, raise worms. We'll sell the casings. You know, it's guaranteed profit. You're going to be a millionaire in four years. It's insanity. But people do it. People do it. You know, one of the things that I've learned as 25 years as a nonprofit farm lawyer is there really are not magic bullets. There's no real shortcut. You know, there's better ways, there are worse ways, there are things that work for some people that don't work for other people, and you've got to be attentive and know your rights, but there's no magic solution. Finally, Land Stewardship Project organizer Dora Eater, who works with LSP's Farm Beginnings Training Course, highlighted the importance of basing farm decisions on your own personal values. She also talked about how, especially during a crisis, people often undervalue or overlook their non-monetary assets. I have reason to be hopeful because my job is to work with beginning farmers in the Farm Beginnings program. We train beginning farmers uh, in sustainable ag who are getting 
getting started farming. We're in our 22nd year of offering farm beginnings. The first graduates of that program are now in the position of looking at transition planning to the next generation of farmers. So we have kind of a longitudinal look at people getting started farming. LSP is focused on sustainable ag, but we don't talk much about what we mean by that. So I just want to say that what we mean by that is sustainable ag is ecologically sound. It's socially just, meaning that people aren't exploited or harmed in the process of farming. And it's economically viable. And if it's not economically viable, it's not sustainable. And so we spend a lot of time with our farm beginning students preparing them to run uh, viable, financially viable operations with all of the tools of financial management that you need to run any business, right? So we work with farm business management, we bring in um, accounting people, we show folks how to do, run their numbers, keep records, do their financial management. But before all of that, we start with them in terms of setting goals based on their deeply held values and the reasons why they want to farm. And years later, I will tell you that our graduates tell us over and over again that that is the part of Farm Beginnings that most stuck with them and that helps guide them through the ups and downs of their farming career. And so we invest a lot of time with people, helping them articulate why it is that farming fits into the life that they want to have. And that people's life goals are not necessarily to raise X number having to move on or having to 
farmers from the beginning. But I'll tell you something that we've been hearing more often lately, especially given what's going on in theory and some of the uh, concerns that we're hearing out in the field, is that the established, many of the established farmers and older farmers did not have access to that kind of framework for their decision making and would really benefit from it. And so we're not sure what that looks like. We're not asking established farmers or older farmers to come to something called farm beginnings. because that doesn't seem like the, the right fit. But so the earlier you can start thinking about this, the more you can access your creativity, the more choices you have, and things might surprise you. We also want the folks in this room to feel like you're not just prepared to act on your own behalf, but that you can have the information that you need to help out your neighbor, or to even not wait until uh, they're in crisis. If you know something's going on, or you suspect something is going on, it's hard for people to ask for help. So sometimes you can be in a position to proactively offer it. And I, I'm hoping that uh, everyone here leaves today feeling like they got at least some information they could pass on to a friend or neighbor or peer who might be in some financial stress. If you or anyone you know is experiencing financial stress, we encourage you to check out the list of resources on the podcast page for episode number 210 of Ear to the Ground. You can find the podcast link at landstewardshipproject.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.